All right, let's go to Romans chapter 1. I was telling her there, I wish that I could somehow get this together where it was understood better and able to get out where people could. This is so helpful. I just know that it is. I get started digging in it and it's just, it's just more than I can assimilate and more than I can put in a message. I, I'm never lacking for things I have to limit and squelch things. That sounds terrible. But I do. I just have to pare it down because there's too much. This stuff of, of uh, like we talked about last week, we started on Satan's strategy. Let's read the verse. And then I've got a couple more to read here and, 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 and uh, to go along with it. Uh, Romans chapter 1, let's just read verse 21 and 22. Because that when they knew God... They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Psalm 119 verse 113 says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Keep that in mind. Just two things there. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, He said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. But the first thing that He says there, in Mark also 7.21, Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. It's the first in the list. We're going to talk tonight about uh, vain imaginations, being vain in the imagination. 1 Corinthians 3.20, And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. He's talking about the wise of this world. The world is full of vain thoughts. The world is total vanity, Solomon said, over and over and over. All is vanity as far as this world is concerned. So all of their thoughts are vanity. Keep that in mind when you're listening to them. Keep that in mind when you're going to them for advice or understanding or trying to figure out what's going on or how or what's true or false or how things work. Keep that in mind when you're going to the world and listening to ungodly people. Their thoughts are vain. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we preached on this. The Word of God, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So, there's your, a lot of scripture to start with here. So we're looking at the strategy of Satan to destroy a soul. And that's what we talked about last week, and we only got to the first point. We're studying the road and the way, the way marks that identify the path to destruction, how a soul is born into this world and how it goes down the road of destruction and ends up lost and, and perishes forever. This is how it happens. We're looking at how it happens, how the devil maneuvers and works things, his strategy that he uses we're not ignorant of his devices. He does it the same way every time. Yeah. When you look at some poor lost soul that's 
into depravity and everything and wonder how they got that way, this is what we're looking at right here. Go to Romans chapter 1 and you can, you'll, I hope these things will stick with you and you'll never forget when you read chapter 1 of Romans what we, a lot of the stuff we say here when we're talking about this. So we've already seen that the first step is to simply stop glorifying God as God. That's what we talked about last week. When we turn from God to the world, and it's philosophers and wise men in search of understanding, we stop glorifying God as God. If He's our God, then He's everything. He's got all the answers. If He is really our Christ, He is all I need. I don't need anything else. I don't need a psychiatrist. I don't need a wise man of this world to help me or straighten me out. God is enough. And when God is not enough, you're not glorifying Him as God. Yep. So, when we're consumed with the world around us, or without being consumed with the God who created it all, you're not glorifying God as God. You know, nature, natural, all the, you know, you worship Mother Earth. I mean, you think all the answers are somewhere in this earth. You're not glorifying God as God. Right. The answer's in God. He'll give it to you through His Word, by His Spirit. And that's where the answers are at. They're not in all of the books of these wise men of the world and these sorcerers of the world and all these people of the world, scientists, whatever. The answer's not there. And if you start looking there, instead of looking to God, and that's just so important because so many people miss it. So many people are deceived right there. They, just, they look for answers. They look for information. They look for understanding about everything. From the world. You don't need to go to the world to figure out about your body. Go to God. Well, we're, we're, when we acknowledge God only as we acknowledge any other creature. You know, they wor worshipped and served the creature more, they, more than the Creator. Uh, we'll read on down through there. But that's the way people get to thinking. You know, he's just a cool dude. He's the old man upstairs. He's... You know, he's just like somebody else. Daddy. You know, all these blasphemous terms that people use in this modern, irreverent, ungodly generation. They think of God as just another person. And then it goes even farther than that, as we'll see. They turn him into a fish, or a cow, or an ox. I read in one of the commentaries, he was talking about it, and he said how that yeah, the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians and all of that. He said the barbarians worshipped passions or something. Uh, that's not what he said. It was something else. But it was more reasonable than the Egyptians who worshipped oxen and onions. Yeah. And they were the wisest of the world, see. The barbarians were just, you know. And they worshipped something besides God, but it wasn't as outrageous and ridiculous as the wise men of the world did. Yep. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So when we place our faith and loyalty in a person or a religious organization or anything else so that it displaces God as our Lord and Sovereign, you're not glorifying God as God. I'm just reviewing these things. As soon as we move God down and aside from the highest place of honor in our life and authority, in our heart, mind, and life, 
There's a change that takes place in our heart. We talked about it last week. We're no longer thankful. Neither were they thankful. And uh, we gratitude is just not a part of our thinking at all. Because God's removed from our thinking, we don't think the same way anymore. You remove God from your the thinking, and people don't think the same. Oh, look around. Look at this. Remove prayer, remove Bible reading, remove the Ten Commandments from sight. Nobody can see them. Public. Can't teach the kids. In school. Or anything like that. Well, they could when I was a kid. They could teach the Bible. They could pray. Everybody back then had respect and regard for the Bible. Now, but they want to get it out of sight. And you can go ahead and worship and believe what you want in private. Well, get it out of sight and, and you start forgetting about God. God's removed from our thinking. People stop thinking with God in their thoughts. So then what happens? They became vain in their imaginations. So that's what we want to talk about tonight. The next level that we descend into on our way to the bottom is in our mind and thoughts. So important. I hope you'll listen. I'll try to hurry and not just wear you out here tonight, but you please listen. You got two. Got a, it's real important. The word vain. It means empty, worthless, having no substance, value, or importance. Vain. It is worthless. You become vain in your imaginations. Your mind is just a dumpster. You, you get your thoughts for your mind <clears throat> like homeless people get their food from a dumpster. You're a dumpster diver in your mind. You just feed off of the garbage of the world that's worth nothing. <clears throat> Proud of petty things or of trifling attainments. If you're vain, that's what this word means. Elated with a high opinion of one's own accomplishments or with things more showy than valuable. Vain means conceited also. They became vain in their imaginations. And what did the next part say there? Professing themselves to be wise. They're proud of themselves. They think they've really accomplished. They think they've really accomplished stuff. They think they are really somebody. Imagination. Uh, well, hang on. I'll try to get that in later. But anyway, to become vain in our imagination is to cease to think and reason about things that are important or spiritual or things that are based upon fact and truth only. Imagination doesn't require that it be true. Doesn't require that it be a fact. You're vain in your imagination when you start to think on things that are not really real, not true, Things that are not spiritual. Things that are not important. That's vain imagination. Do you have any of those? Do you spend any of your brain power just thinking on things that are just absolutely worthless? Vain thoughts are centered around temporal, carnal, earthly things. Vain thoughts are based a lot on what other people think and say that are their vain imaginations, that are built upon vain thoughts of others. So a lot of our vain imagination is just what we hear, other people, hear from other people. A thought in the mind, now that's one thing, a thought. 
But imagination is when you string together thoughts. God designed us in His own image and likeness so that the operation of our imagination makes us creative and understanding and wise. Now that's why God made us. The reason you can imagine is because you're made in the image and likeness of God. Imagination is not an evil thing in itself the way God made it to work. Uh, God designed us and gave us the power to imagine in our minds with the intent that our imagination be based upon truth and righteousness. I, I know I'm just pouring it out here. The entrance of sin into the world, though, brought lies and deceit and opened a whole new realm for the imagination to work in. The imagination now works mostly with lies and false information. And, and just things that are dreamed up and created in your imagination. False information can be entered into your mind by others. Listening to the sinful world and their reasoning without God. That's how they reason and think, without God. They put Him aside. And so their ideas that they are convinced are true facts will poison your mind and poison your imagination. That's what's wrong with the world. That's, what, that's how come people are worldly. That's why we are not of the world. That's why we should not follow after the world, not look to the wisdom of the world. The Bible's full of all this stuff instructing us to stay away, to not learn the way of the heathen, to stay away from it. A lot of people nowadays think that, or they seem to think that the best way to, to fight the good fight is to study and learn all about the false cults and the errors and all of that. No, uh, there's another thing that's in me that's a working but it's it's to do with the the churches in revelation and he rebuked them for that two of them because they were so man they hated them libertines which i hate also he said the doctrine of them but he said but he said you're messed up all you're doing is thinking about the error of others and that's all you're talking about and that's and you think that's your that's your religion well i know a lot of people that are that way now too and that's not that doesn't please God. We've got too much truth to preach. And so listening to the sinful world, I don't need to know all of that. Somebody told me that many years ago and it stuck in my mind. Said you don't need to learn all about the false cults. You just learn the truth. And their lies will be obvious to you. You get to messing in their garbage can and you're going to get poisoned with some of it. Imagination is the power or faculty of the mind by which it conceives and forms ideas of things communicated to it by the organs of sense. So, your imagination is your mind trying to piece together this giant jigsaw puzzle of what you've heard and seen and felt and your imagination is rearranging the pieces over and over, trying to make them fit. Mm -hmm. To make a picture. Yep. Imagination takes what you have in your memory of things you've seen and heard and felt, and it modifies them 
to create a fiction that is more to your liking. But imagination that is working from false information and lies can turn on you and be your tormentor. Your imagination is prone to create the worst scenario possible for you and make you afraid and fretful. And that's what it does. That's mostly what it does. Your imagination doesn't make you happy. Your imagination makes you fearful and fretful. Because it's got garbage in it. Because it's a thing that happens with your mind and we're going to Talk about it here in just a second here, if I can get to it here. Luke chapter 24, what I just said, your imagination prone to create the worst scenario possible for you and make you afraid and fretful. Luke 24, 36 through 38. I go there pretty often. It's the amazed disciples. It says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? See? Imagination contains the element of emotion and feeling. It's the heart getting control of the mind. Imagination, the Bible talks about thoughts of the heart. And the imaginations of your heart. Imagination. It's a different thing than just thinking. It's a different thing than reasoning. Imagination is, a, is creating pictures and scenarios. It's looking into the future. It's looking into the past and trying to fix that when you can't. It's frustrating. You imagine, you remember and put it all together and say, Oh, I wish I had this. Can't. So you torment yourself with it. Or the devil torments you. This is an area where the devil is able to get in real easy into your mind, into your heart, and influence your life. Imagination is aimed toward emotion. You imagine in an attempt to achieve pleasure or peace or fear. It's going to take you to one of those places. And most of the time it takes you to fear. Because you're dreaming up all these things. Well now, is that God? Is that the Spirit of God doing that? Or is that the devil doing that? That's an evil spirit that causes you to fear. Because Jesus says over and over, God said over and over in the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. Who's the first ones that are going to go to hell? Fearful. Fearful. Because they don't have control of their imagination. It's been hijacked by the devil. And they've turned loose of the reins and the horse has run away with them. Imagination. Well, let me jump on down here. The dictionary says this in 1828 Webster Dictionary. He said, we would define imagination to be the will working on the materials of memory not satisfied with following the order prescribed by nature or suggested by accident. It selects the parts of different conceptions or objects of memory to form a whole, listen, more pleasing, more terrible, or more awful than has ever been presented in the ordinary course of nature. 
That's what your imagination does. It takes memories and turns them into something they weren't. It takes uh, things you've seen or things you hear from other people and it turns them into something that isn't even what it was at all. Your imagination does that. Did anybody ever tell you, oh, you're imagining things? Mm -hmm. You probably were. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's how it happens. Most of the trouble between people is caused by imagination. Vain imaginations. Evil imaginations. And where do they come from? It says they come out of the heart. Jesus told us twice, evil thoughts proceed and come forth from the heart. What's your heart? What's where you feel? It's your emotions. You're getting your feelings hurt. You know what the big problem in churches are? For the most part is somebody getting their feelings hurt. (laughs) So then what proceeds from that? Evil thoughts. And then imaginations. You take evil thoughts and you make imaginations out of them. So when we become vain in our imagination, the next thing it says, our foolish heart is darkened. So it's not just your mind. See, your heart and your mind are both involved in this. It's your heart hijacking your mind, getting gaining control to work this imagination, stringing these thoughts together, disregarding whether it's truth or fact or not. Just what could be, what might be. When we allow our imagination to turn loose of what we absolutely know to be truth and start to work based on theories and fiction and hearsay, we're opening the door wide for Satan to enter our mind and set up his stronghold there. I wish you'd listen to that. I wish you'd get that. You can't turn loose of what's true. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is pure, holy, just, That's what you're to think on. That's what you're to think on. Think on these things. Only what's true. Don't allow your imagination to take possibilities and theories and ifs and mights and run with it. You're going down a bad road. It's a vain imagination. And it's the devil's highway right into your mind and heart and life. Most people who are bitter in their soul, that's just how it happened. They sit around imagining, vain imagining, worthless things, false things, until it's just grown into this terrible feeling and emotion and passion that's got a hold of their mind and heart and made them hard as a rock. We all know people whose lives are full of drama, don't we? All the time. What's their problem? Imagination. Drama is all imagination. There's no, nothing about drama that is not imagination. A lot of churches do dramas. I've thought for a long time. <clears throat> Man, what in the world? You know what? Uh, Christians in times past wouldn't go to a theater and watch actors because they were liars. wasn't real. They're pretending. They're lying to you. They just looked at the basic truth there. And everybody else says, ah, you're just being too stretched. You're just being too. Lie to me. Put on a show for me. 
Make me believe something. Make me imagine something that's not really true. Think for just a minute about how much social media and all the voices of the world are feeding the vain imaginations of people right now. Us, right here. Don't talk about them out there. What about us right here? Just think. How much do you see on there that you think is really true? Purely true. <laughs> You're close. Uh, yes, sir. Our, our imagination becomes a reality. That's what's wrong with insane people. People that are insane, they, are, they cannot distinguish between fantasy and reality. That's the legal definition of insanity. They don't know what's real and what's false anymore. Phony, fake, imitation, fiction. They can't tell the difference anymore. A lot of people, and I know this will step on some toes, but you like to read historical fiction. No, I think you would be better off to read history. Read the truth. Don't read somebody's vain imagination that they made up. You, you, you'll, I, you, you'll not err that way. Near as easy as you will by just drinking in fiction. I don't like fiction. I just don't like the word fiction. Science fiction. That used to be a big deal. I guess it still is. But, but what has it become? Well, yeah, it's become... It's, it's imagination. That's all it is. Because it wasn't real. Now, a lot of it is counted as real. Yes. You know? Evolution. I mean, we just go on and on and on about the things that are not real, but everybody believes they're real. Aliens, Bigfoot, ghosts. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many things. I'm just saying that our imagination becomes our reality and faith and light go out. They're gone. When imagination becomes your reality, your foolish heart will be darkened. The lights go out. That's terrible. Now, when the light goes out and you are in darkness in your soul, I mean, you don't understand and you can't see anymore. You just think about that. We enter the darkness of this world without God and without hope. When your imagination becomes your reality. You laugh at drama queens. You ought not to laugh. You ought to fear for them because they're on the precipice if they haven't over, already went over already. They're living in imagination. Their heart's dark. Why don't you find you a wife one of these days? You better find one. You better look for that. You don't want one that lives in la-la land and imagination and drama and dreaming all the time. You want somebody that thinks about truth and right and lives in reality and doesn't have all kinds of fantasies about princesses and living the life of a queen or something. Life is just what it is. 
We enter darkness. Have you ever wondered what people who have rejected God think about in their minds and imaginations? Have you ever wondered about that? I know what I think about. I know what my mind always does and how it, what it comes back to. I wonder about them. You know, they just stay. Here's what they do. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Y'all know what it says, don't you? Was only evil continually. Darkness. Their foolish heart was darkened. And they could not see. They said, and there was only one man in his family on the face of this earth who could. Think about that. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There's just going to be few, few, few people. Because they're all, they've all been carried away with this. They simply, I mean, the devil is after your mind first. See? Get you to turn away, get your mind off of God, get your eyes off of God, and get your mind. Set up His stronghold in your mind. And then from there, He's got you. He can control you if He can control your mind. They simply, people that are without God in this world, they simply only think about things around them. And make plans to fulfill their lusts and desires. That's what people think about who don't know God, who have put God out of their life. Simple as that. That's all they think about. They don't think about anything else. Some just pine over the past, trying to figure out what the meaning of their life is, and rehearsing all their bad memories and experiences, like looking through old pictures in a box all the time. That's the way some of them do. Lots of them do. Psalm 10, verse 4. That's what life is like when God is not in your thoughts and you live with a vain imagination. That's what life's like. Miserable. That imagination doesn't help you. Doesn't make you happy. Psalm 10, 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So what's it like to be alive in this world but having a mind that is blind and a heart that is darkened? It begins when you turn away from God and start and stop glorifying Him as God. And when God does not satisfy you and you turn elsewhere for information and understanding and freedom to indulge your selfishness, that's where you end up. A blind mind and a heart that's darkened. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see what the devil did? He got their minds, and he blinded them. And they're in his snare lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine through. Can't. Their mind's blinded and their heart is darkened. 
They don't know why. They don't. They're they're in darkness. How else can you explain? Look out there at the people. Look. They don't know what life's about. They have no hope whatsoever. They don't know what a month from now, if they're even going to have their spouse or their kids or their job. Everything's insecure. Nothing is sure. Everything's shaky. And so they live in fear and dread. And in and imagining all the time how, it, the, how it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And it kind of does for them. It results in a mind that doesn't understand and an imagination that carries you into darkness of fear and hopelessness. That imagination, that's what it does. So that's the present state of the mind and heart of all the people who don't know God. Think about it. You can look at them with disgust. You can say they deserve what they got. You can say they're just stupid and that's how come they're in such a shape. But that's the real state of them. Their heart's darkened. Their mind is blind. They got no light. And they don't know which way to... That's what it means to be lost. Lost. He came to set the captives free. He came to shine a light to those that dwell in darkness. Unto them that dwell in darkness <laughs> hath a great light shined. Well, that's the only hope for people. See, It's the Word of God. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's the, the power of the Gospel like we preach Sunday. You know, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It can be turned around but it's only through preaching of the Word of God and the light of the world. Who's the light of the world right now? You are, if you're a child of God. We're the light of the world, the only hope. When Jesus comes to take His church soon now, the light is going with it. That's the that's scariest thing to me for this world to think about. When all the... I mean, look what, look what we've been through in the last months here in our country. Imagine what it's going to be when there is no restraint. They're restrained right now by the light that is in the world. It may seem like not much, but a little bit goes a long ways in the darkness. And the salt of the earth makes a difference, even if it's little. But when it's all gone, and the darkness just <laughs> takes over the world. Some people don't believe that Jesus is coming before the wrath of God is poured out on this world. Well, I don't believe they have understanding to believe that. God's not going to... I mean, we're going. The world's going to be dark. Alright, I want to get this across if I can. Our mind was designed to meditate, not imagine. The Bible is full of this. Full of it. You ought to study on this. 
To imagine is to create images in our mind which are fiction and not truly real. Imagination is visualizing things. And it's putting thoughts together like that, thinking up something, creating something in your mind. Uh, meditation, to meditate is to roll over in our mind things that we know to be true and to see how they fit together to make the whole. Meditate on what? The Word of God. God's precepts, God's laws, God's judgments. Meditate in His law. We've got a bunch of verses here to read. To meditate on the precepts of God, the law of God, the Word of God, is to get understanding and wisdom as they come together in our mind. And the Spirit of God gives us light. You meditate on the Word of God, the devil's going to have a hard time getting in there. If you're meditating on the Word of God, rolling around truths and comparing verses with verses like spiritual, with spiritual like we talked about in spiritual understanding. That's how you get spiritual understanding. You compare spiritual with spiritual, not, not carnal things. You don't understand spiritual things by carnal things. So if you're meditating on the law of God, the precepts of God, the Word of God, the things of God, the Spirit of God will put them together in your mind. I know that's how it works. I've experienced that a whole bunch. And it's a whole lot different than imagination that sends you to the bottom and causes you to fear and causes you to have these unpleasant, passionate feelings, ill feelings toward other people, toward everything around you. So... We're responsible to gird up the loins of our mind and control what we think about. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Isaiah 55, verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So what does that unrighteous man have to forsake? <laughs> His thoughts. That imagination. Those evil thoughts. you got to stop that. Forsake it. Turn away from it. Return to the Lord, and he'll abundantly pardon. He'll fix your problem. Jeremiah four fourteen. O Jerusalem. Wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? This is Old Testament, New Testament. This is common for human beings ever since the world began. It's a mind thing that we need to work on. Psalm 19, verse 14. We sing this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Yep. My strength, my Redeemer. Psalm 49, verse 3. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. A whole lot better to think on those things, to meditate on those things, than to sit around and imagine out of your heart feelings and offenses and 
and just vain things that are worthless. People sit around thinking on vain things. You remember that picture? The man and woman are laying in bed and he's got his back turned and she says, I wonder what he's thinking about. I'll bet he's thinking about some other woman and the little cloud above his head, he was thinking about a big foot. He was like, now that's vain thoughts. <laughs> See what I mean? That's the way most that's the way most people think. They're just thinking about some TV show they seen. Some cartoon, some you know. Yeah. That's what people most people think about now, memes. Alright. Psalm uh seventy seven verse twelve. Got three more verses I want to read and then we'll be done. Psalm seventy seven twelve, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. That's plenty to think about right there. I will meditate also of all thy work. Now he's talking about God's work. How long would it take you to think about all that and get done with it? <laughs> There's plenty to keep you busy. Rest of your life right there. Plenty to think about. You know, people are bored. I hear people talk about that. Somebody the other day said uh, they was bored. And uh, that, it's hard for me to understand that. Man, you got a thinker up there in your head. Have you wore it out? Have you, is it hung up somewhere? What's the deal? I can entertain myself plenty just sitting still somewhere by a tree thinking. Sure. Not imagining not letting my imagination go wild. Meditating. Thinking. Wondering about this and this. There's plenty. See, I wish I could jumpstart you somehow in your mind. If you're not this away. I wish I could do something to get you to, to have this kind of mind where you think this way. Where you think about the Word of God and you, and you think of something that Man, how does that, how can that be? And how does that work? And you get in there and start studying and looking up verses to figure out how that is. I wish I could get you to do that. The Bereans were like that. They searched the scriptures to see if those things were so. And we were reading that the other day and I realized that's a bunch of Jews. Yeah. They were searching the scriptures. They already knew the scriptures, but they got saved. And now, light on the scripture. Boy, it makes a whole lot of difference. The scripture looked a whole lot different to Paul after he got saved. He'd studied it. He knew it. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew that scripture. <laughs> Trained for years. Learning it without light. But then, suddenly, there was a great light shine from heaven around. And, uh, oh boy. Psalm 104, verse 34. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. You can, you can think with your mind and meditate, and it'll make you happy. It'll be sweet. Where imagination will take you to fear and and disturbance and depression and and dread. 
But you can think this way. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. <laughs> it's your choice. Your choice. You can think what you want to do just like you can walk however how you want to walk in this world. Here's your choice. This is the way it is. Now you decide yourself. You want to live a miserable life? You want to poison everything around you by living in vain imaginations and a darkened heart and mind? Or do you want to have a happy life here and eternity full of peace and joy forever? One more verse. Psalm 119, verse 37. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. The Bible is full of those kind of statements. It's clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. How to, how to have victory. How to live a Christian life. How to walk with God. How to, keep your, how to have a sound mind. A pure heart. A happy heart. And how to be a blessing to everybody around you person that does this, be a blessing to everybody around them. It's contagious and it spreads to others too. People who are wrapped up in vain imaginations and live in that, man, they are trouble all the time. Not only to them, but to everybody around them. It's just something that everybody has to deal with all the time because they're, man, you know, what in the world? They're off again. They're mad again. They're upset again. They're crazy again. What in the world? Ain't that the truth? Yes. Esther, you get tired of the drama where you work? <laughs> That's the problem right there. That is the problem. All of our arguments and hard feelings and the family and all of that, that's all it is. It's vain imaginations. It certainly is not meditating on the Word of God. So there's how your mind's supposed to work. It's God made it to meditate. And imagination is for creativity. Seth, you imagine. You look at a hunk of wood and start imagining, don't you? Well, that's what God gave us that faculty for. He's a creator. He made us in His own image and likeness. An imagination to paint a picture or to carve a carving out of wood or stone or anything like that or invent something that's useful and helpful and makes life better for everybody. If you're going to repair an automobile or anything else, you have to use your imagination a little bit to figure out what's wrong. Use it right. Amen. That's all about things of this world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that's about things of this world. Meditation is about God and the things of God. Right. Yeah. Ought to, that ought to help. My goodness. Sure helps me. All right, let's bow. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. It's so clear, so true, so real, so helpful to me. I pray to be a blessing to the others. Uh, I pray You'd help them to understand what what I see here that's so hard to get across. I pray that it'd be a help to all of us in the time we live in. Our minds are overwhelmed with 
information, most of it false and lies, and just too many voices and too much noise. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to gird up the loins of our minds and to sit still and know that you're God by meditating on your word and on your law and on the things of God and allowing the Spirit of God to have free access to our mind and our heart and control. All of it in Jesus' name. Amen.